struggles, innovation, going all in, not holding back, mindset, being a leader, paving their own way, putting the real in real estate, raised with real estate, listing legacies, selling luxury. You have the vault. Unlocking conversations in real estate today. I'm your host, Jess, and let me introduce you to my co-host, Alexa. Alexa, who do we have the privilege of interviewing on the podcast today? Hi, everyone. I am so excited to introduce Adam Lesperance. Adam is the co-owner of our team. He's a broker, team leader, business owner, and dad. Adam is extremely successful, and I'm proud to work alongside him and have him as a mentor. So thanks, Adam, for joining us. Okay, so first off, just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so I grew up in the area, and I grew up on a farm. Um, I've been self-employed for many years. I had a tree removal business and yeah, just enjoy the outdoors, fishing, boating, all those different things that our area has to provide. I have a beautiful wife, three children. My oldest son, Colby, is 12. I have a daughter, Arkel, and then the youngest crazy one is four years old. His name is Nash. And we live out in Georgian Bluffs, just south of Wyerton on 50 acres. And we really enjoy the area, going out, doing all the things we like to do in the area. It's very much a tourist area. So this time of year when the sun comes and the sun and everything, there's tons of traffic, tons of things to do. Um, the wintertime is actually one of my favorite times of year. Just it's a little less busy and we can find a patch of ice or something to go skating on. Um, lots of different activities. So it sounds like you definitely like to keep busy all year round. Yeah, I have an ability to um, keep finding projects to do, I guess you could say. Sometimes my wife thinks that it's too many things on the go. We have uh, a couple properties that we're fixing up right now. And we do have some rental properties and always seem to have a, a business or something else on the go other than real estate. So it sounds like you definitely love your investing. Yeah, yeah. So when we built our house, we had a, a house in Parkhead where we moved from. It's a commercial property. We were able to, at the time, keep that, which was just a, a great stepping stone, I think, to be able to have that now. And then we've been able to use that property to leverage it and buy other properties in the area. And it's nice to be able to do these things so that when you're talking to new investors and different things, you sort of have your own experience to go off of to be able to show them what the numbers look like but also give them an idea of, you know, what it's like, you know, Sunday morning or Saturday night when a, a tap blows up at somebody's place, you got to go fix it because you're the landlord, right? So there's always this stuff you don't expect that's happening all the time. And uh, we, we do have great renters. My mindset always is that our renters are awesome. We have awesome tenants. And if they're not so much awesome, then uh, it's easier to think that they are. But uh, as long as you're positive with them, usually they are pretty good to deal with. So. Right. So I know you often get the question a lot. How do you do everything you do? I don't. I have lots of supporting people. My wife, um, kids are getting a bit older. They're starting to help out a bit. Um, staff, of course, we, we do have staff that helps out a whole lot. We can delegate different things to them. And then being part of a, a real estate team is great in the way that, you know, if, if you're just too busy, you have too much there's other team members you can pass the, the workload out to. So that really helps as well to make sure that the clients are always served. 
So you're you're basically saying leveraging your time and empowering others to also contribute into a bigger picture. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I always see the big picture. I've had that advantage for my whole life. So sort of from the outside looking in at all the tiny things that are happening, but but trying to have a spin on things so that you can grow something really big. Right. So speaking of um, having staff and everything, you are the co-owner and team lead of our of our very successful and constantly growing real estate team. So tell us a little bit more about how you got into real estate and um, and where you plan to go. Yeah, so I've always wanted to do real estate ever since I was younger. And it was something, though, that I thought that life experience would really help with before jumping into it. So throughout the years, we renovated, fixed up and sold properties. We built the house before getting into real estate. And then I got to a point with the tree removal business that I had where I was essentially done with staff in the way that I really liked the guys that were working for me, but it was really hard to uh, to find staff and I couldn't keep up with the workload that was there. So I thought, well, why not jump to real estate? It seems to be a thing that a lot of people can do essentially on their own. Um, you know, fast forward and then all of a sudden we're back in the the same picture having staff and different things, but it, it just seems like it's a lot more enjoyable. And I think learning about, you know, being positive and how to interact with staff and, and keep everybody positive and happy. Um, not so much keeping them happy, but just just to sort of be that positive influence on them. I hope that's what I'm trying to be. Yeah. And I do know that Terry was prospecting you for a while and trying to teach everyone to work smarter, not harder. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think that's so true because you can get wrapped up in, you know, sending those emails and those phone calls and different things, but it's always the 2080 rule. So if you can really focus on what you're doing and setting that aside first to lead generate, um, call the important people, you know, deal with the things that you have to deal with in a timely manner. I always find if if something comes up that's a little challenging and, you know, you could take a day and think about how is this going to call going to go? What am I going to do? It's better just to call right away, tell them what's up, you know, if it's not a good thing that's happening, tell them how you're going to work towards the end goal to ensure it is a positive. And then that's out of the way and it sort of frees your mind and yourself to be able to move throughout the day and get to those other things that you need to be doing as well. Right. So learning and applying it too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what would you say your biggest success in your real estate career is? I think for me, it's feedback from clients. And I think the long-term relationships that I've, I've sort of grown with clients that I've worked with them, but always working towards their goals. And oftentimes that's not listing and selling their house or helping them buy something else. Cause maybe it's as simple as meeting with them and saying, well, what does, what do the numbers look like if you put an addition on this place and keep it? You know, as, as much as it'd be great to throw a for sale sign up and sell it, I, I just want to always make sure that their best interests are at heart. And then when you do that, they call you, you know, a couple of years later out of the blue because you were the one that sort of gave them those ideas and they knew that you were putting them first. So I think for me, that's that's my greatest 
you know, feeling when those people call me and tell me that, right? So it makes makes you feel pretty good inside. Yeah. So you're very have a lot of integrity in that customer care. Yeah, I've learned that throughout all the businesses that that my wife and I have had. If you put the people first and help them get to their end goal and you're honest, ethical, and straight up with them, even if you can't do something, um, or, you know, if it's, I think this person is a better fit, just, just be completely honest with them. It gets you a lot further yeah. in the long run. I agree. I always feel that as you can give people the permission that it's okay if you're not a fit or they don't want to buy your product. And as soon as you give them the permission to allow that, then, you know, there's trust built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's good that you have like a long-term mindset, um, you know, you go to people and say it might not be the right time for you to sell, but maybe they'll call you in five years. And I think that uh, sticks with a lot of people and that's why they call you. Yeah. 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 And I've received a lot of those calls where you talk them out of selling their house or whatever, but then things in their life change. And then all of a sudden, boom, your phone rings and it's them. And they're like, guess what? And they don't even, they're not looking and talking to other people. They just want you to come and represent them, which, which makes you feel pretty good. Yeah. That is the ultimate realtor who talks you out of buying a deal. (laughs) Yeah. And I, like, I, I did learn that from the other business I had. So the tree removal business and everybody says, well, what do you like about real estate? Because we know it's a totally separate business. I'm thinking it's the, it's the same business. You're just helping get people to the end goal Mm -hmm. but the amount of people that were worried about a tree and different things and just needed a a trimming it wasn't hazardous you talk them out of spending all that money because they were worried um but again it just it's so similar to real estate and just helping people okay so i'm gonna ask you what's your secret because um in our first episode i told you guys that i started about four years ago and we adam and i started around the same time and adam has blown me out of the water he sells a million houses a year and so i want to know what's your secret to being the rock star that you are um i think for me it is probably um the ability that i have to sort of network throughout the community and different things and because i've had the the previous businesses i feel like i i do have a bit of a name maybe around that that people you know hear about me and and i'm hoping it comes across that that guy's honest and ethical and different things um but i sort of had a you know growing up in the area and always being involved community groups and different things i think i have a lot of sort of different networks that i don't even know about where where my name travels would be my my best guess. I, I don't know for sure. And you're on some local boards as well. You've always been on boards. My gosh, two or three of them some years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that's a nice way to sort of give back to the community and be involved just to be on uh, not-for-profits and different boards, startups and different things and, and just sort of help people um, with what they're trying to do. And you're passionate about it. You, you can clearly see that, you know, when you have meetings and your kids have soccer and there's three places to be, you're always at those meetings and you contribute very well as well. Yeah. We've even heard people in the meetings say, I'm so glad I seen your name on the list. So for those realtors just starting out or realtors who are struggling um, to get business, what are a couple of your biggest avenues for lead generation what are your you know top things that you do yeah i think i think getting out there and meeting people but not i I don't know how to say it but not sort of 
trying to do something directly related to real estate with them, but just networking and talking about their lives, their family, their work, what, whatever situation you're sort of in with the people. And then naturally those things in the conversation will come up that, oh, what do you do? And you explain to them. And then of course they're going to ask you about the market. Um, but, but really getting out there and, you know, you don't have to go out there and yell from the mountaintops, you're a real estate agent, but you just go out there and get involved with those groups. They're going to organically know what you do because they're going to start to see your signs and different things around. Yeah. And then I truly feel it is sort of a, a snowball effect that, that once you get going, you sort of get on a bit of a roll, I guess, and, and people see more signs and different things. Um, so it's, so creating relationships, definitely. Like everyone yeah. always wants to know, love, and trust their local mm -hmm. realtor. And I'd say you fall in all those categories for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. So another fun question is, what would you tell your past self just starting real estate? What's something you would say or teach or do? I, I think for me, um, I really thought, that the phone would actually ring more. So when I had the the tree removal business, it got to a point where I couldn't keep up in the calls. I remember one day and I had like, it was 11 o'clock in the morning, I had to 37 missed calls and text messages. And I'm like, that's a lot. So I thought, well, switch to real estate and everyone will call me. But uh, it's not so true. You sort of have to call the people, connect the dots. And if you don't have anything going on, you really have to think about what did I hear in the community? What did this person say? What life changes are going on? So you got to keep connecting the dots in the community. And, uh, um, you know, you hear about somebody whispering something or whatever, and you sort of think about it and you're like, oh, I know those people or I know them. And, and you can't pry, but you just sort of know the places to go and, and who to find to, uh, to be able to find the deals, right? So Yeah, and it's also telling people you're a realtor when that opportunity comes because mm -hmm. if you if they don't know how will they find you yeah 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 um what is something that you didn't expect getting into this type of business real estate i think the lack of control of time i i think it's as a general rule i'm not an organized person I don't forget to do things but I'm just not organized in the sense of like um being organized I always have stuff all over my desk there's just stuff everywhere mm -hmm. compared to some people in the office they probably get annoyed by it um so in saying that with the with the other businesses I had I was able to sort of big picture or long vision it out and sort of have a month booked ahead where I knew where I was and what I was doing but there's shuts a such a sorry short window with real estate you're maybe one two three days out as far as appointments the odd time you can book book uh you know appointments a couple weeks in advance but it's pretty limited you sort of get a call one day and all of a sudden you're running out to show a property making a booking something comes up somebody wants to buy it well you got to jump on it because otherwise they're calling someone else so i think i knew that to a sense but i think until you're involved in it um you know i talked to one guy as i was getting into it that had done it for years and he said you have to understand people are looking to buy or sell their house a property if they call you message you you got to get back to them within 20 minutes and if it's i'm in an appointment i'll get back to you later today you got to get back to them because 
it's a big deal in their lives. So I think you need to realize that even though you're doing it every day, um, being punctual, getting back to people. And then the other thing that I've learned, you know, I, I like to go to bed at 8.30 at night, but oftentimes on a Sunday night, it'll be 11 o'clock and I'm, you know, struggling through trying to write an offer for somebody to get it in. So they'll have it by the morning and all those different things. So the lack of control of time is something that uh, is, is very challenging. So when we talk lack of control of time and you have three kids and you're renovating two properties, tell me, how do you do it? Yeah, so I love hands-on renovating properties and all those different things. But uh, this this latest couple that we've done, I've really been leveraging a lot of it out and hiring people to do those major things and sort of thinking, what can I do to pay all these people? Well, it's what I do well, which is real estate. So focusing on that, you know, I'll stop up there and make sure they have good instructions and different things, but I'm not going to stay there necessarily for the eight or 10 hour day to work through it, even though I do enjoy that. So the odd time will take a day off and, and go do that. Um, but yeah, just leveraging through other people. Right. So being a top producer, what does a typical morning look like for you? Like if we were trying to teach other top producers, what does that look like? What are, what are you doing that maybe they could do? Yeah. So my morning routine, I get up in the morning at five o'clock and then I put on a pot of coffee and then I meditate and then I read a book. So the book that I'm reading is like, it's the genre of, I guess, self-help or whatever, like all those books that people that are successful, write. I, I read those books because you learn little tidbits of information from them. I mean, it's five in the morning. Do I remember everything they said? Probably not, but I try. And then I journal. So I write in a journal, um, different things from goals to how I want to feel to where I want to be to things I want to do when I'm taking time off and then I go out at you know 6 15 6 30 and I do a workout so we have a, um, a road that's not very busy so I can run down the road or I can uh, work out in the studio my wife has a yoga studio out there so we have some leftover gym equipment in it um, and then I come in help my wife get the kids ready for school and everything. Um, I do check emails at that point or first thing in the morning to make sure there's nothing like pressing. And uh, I might respond to a couple people as I make breakfast and do those things. And then I come into the office usually around nine o'clock and then work through things, go to appointments, all those different things I have to do. Um, I usually eat lunch around 11 and then do some more stuff, eat again around two. And then throughout the afternoon, I try to book appointments. So I try to be in the office most of the morning. And then at night, I'll come home, spend some time with the kids and stuff, and then likely go back to the computer and work for a couple hours, depending on how busy it is. Awesome. Well, sounds like a very productive day. I'd say it's also important to share with viewers, if you are a realtor and have three kids or even one or two, that, you know, as Alexa was talking earlier about that work-life balance what is work-life balance? How does that look like for you? Because sometimes we have a kind of misperception of what that is. Yeah, for me, I think what I learned is, you know, I'll tell clients, well, I can't. And when I first started, I didn't do this. But now I can't do six o'clock because I have an appointment. Well, the appointment might be a soccer game for one of the kids. But I just tell them straight up, I can't do that time. Whereas when I first started, I would find someone to look after the kids or take them to soccer, whatever it is. Right. Um, 
but now I'm able to sort of time block in that regard. Yeah, so time blocking is definitely very important. And I think it's important for viewers to know as well, when you have a family and kids and you have a successful real estate business, it's not always just the all kids and then all business. It's always in and out. You know, I know when we're at hockey games, sometimes you're on the phone doing deals and then you pop in for the the next half of hockey. So it's kind of fluttering in and out. And I think it's important for real estate and realtors to know that, that it's not this picture perfect business. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that, a lot of running the hotspot in the zone phone, you're pulled over on the side of the road between things, or you take a morning off to go do something, but then you're taking calls and you're, you know, you're not getting back to the people that are um, not urgent, but if there's like an offer or you receive one or you, you're working at that, you have to do that because of the time constraints within it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember teaching yoga once and Adam was on the computer as I'm teaching, submitting an offer because my computer wouldn't work. <laughs> so further to that, um, in regards to mental health when owning a business, real estate business, what do you do to help your mental health um, when you're working such a demanding job? Um, you know, what is your do you set aside time for vacation? Do you shut your phone off at a certain time? What do you do to stay on track when it comes to a demanding career? Yeah, I think I went through that with that routine and everything. And then just really having a positive mindset. Um, as as far as vacations and stuff, I don't think since I've started, I've actually like fully unplugged. I've, you know, we've taken a week off and different things, but I still always have availability to check emails and different things. But you know, if it's a showing, like I'm passing that along to other people, right? Um, but I, I am a bit of a control freak. So I always like to be the one that gets back to the people to sort of screen through everything that I'm dealing with. Um, and then if I'm comfortable to sort of send them to someone else, I'll do that. Um, but many blocks of time, you know, if it's a afternoon fishing or, or getting up, I love early mornings because there's only about three clients that I can talk to before six in the morning. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just quiet, you can go do things. So the odd time I'll take off at like six in the morning and go up and throw the kayak in the water or something. And just you have time where you you know, the phone's not going to ring. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you're very passionate about what you do as well. And with your your long term goals, you need your business to support that. Yeah, that's right. Um, so definitely like what I'm doing and there's passion involved with it um, type of person. If I don't like doing something, I'm not going to struggle through it. I would just make the switch. So I do enjoy doing this and it allows me to get to uh, goals that we set. So my wife and I are always good at setting big long-term goals and we seem to be able to somehow achieve them. So, so this is definitely allowing us to get there. What would an example of your future goals be? Um, so one goal we had was to, um, buy a property for each of our kids. So we want to make sure we set our kids up so they have something when they're older and, and knowing growing up, um, it, it was, uh, you know, if I had a time machine, I'd probably go back and buy all those houses when I was 16 or 18, or at least one because they were, you know, 50 or 60,000. Right. But, uh, so it always seems that real estate's such a good thing. So I know if our kids are young now, if we buy them properties, and leave them for them, then that will probably be a, a great 
avenue to get them started in their life if they choose to keep it as a residual income or sell it so they can buy their house or whatever it is. But allowing us to do that has, has been one great thing. Right. So as an investor, what kind of properties do you have if for anyone out there who's trying to, you know, grow their investment portfolio? Yeah. So the first property that we bought back in 2007 was actually an old general store. So it's an old gas station. I remember when we bought it, we got it at a good price. And our lawyer said, if anyone ever tests for petroleum in their water, give all the money that you have to someone that you trust and file for bankruptcy. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good deal. Um, no wonder why it's so cheap, right? So, so we still have that property. And one of the reasons we have it, it's probably going to be a tough sale. Um, but it's, uh, we renovated into a duplex now. So it sits there and, and generates income each month and it, it does well. We've, we've leveraged it. So what that means is because we have the mortgage paid down, we've actually remortgaged it a couple of times. And one of those times we bought a piece of property where we built a house. Um, the other time we paid out a VTB, so a vendor take back on another property we bought in Wyerton, which is two commercial spaces with two residential spaces above it. Um, I love it in the way that Wyerton, I feel like is a lot smaller than Owen Sound, but I think there's tons more growth potential and it's right in the core of town. So being big picture thinking, I'm thinking, you know, 20 years into the future, what does that property look like? So whenever we look at a property, it's always, Fast forward 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, what does what what sort of a vision of what could happen around the property, right? So I'm trying to, you know, think of things with good growth potential, I guess you could say. So Right. And any other investment properties you have that are unique? Yeah. So there's the the one, it's almost done. It's up in uh Howdenvale, which is a little beachside town, like a little hamlet. It's a sleepy little town. Um and uh we bought this, so it was advertised as a teardown special. Um, it had five offers on it. It had a 12 foot beech tree growing out the roof. You walked into the place and you fell through the floors. Um, I had my nephew there, which I don't think he had the funnest day of his life, but we took out like three garbage bags full of raccoon feces out of the place. It was pretty gross. Um, now it's it actually looks really good. It's all resided, it's all re-drywalled, brand new windows and doors. Um, we took a little three season cottage. We're actually going to make it a four season cottage. And then the ability with that one and everybody's like, oh, you're going to short term rental it, short term rental it. And we've done that before, but it's, it's a lot of time, a lot of management. And yeah, you could hire a management company, but then you're going to pay them a percentage. So I like long term rentals. You get somebody in there that's good and they just sit on it and, um, and help you sort of pay it off over time. So that's the goal with that one. Yeah. For our viewers, those Airbnbs, they may be a little bit more money, but sometimes it's the time and effort. And we've done an Airbnb on our property once before, and it's a lot of late nights. It's cleaning. It's getting up, making sure your people are there, welcoming them, and it's giving up some prime time. So it's kind of figuring out what's worth it for you and where do you want to put your time. Yeah, and, and no one ever shows up on time, the Airbnb people. You give them like a time block to show up. I remember the one we had, um, and it was on an island. So people would show up. So you've owned an island before? Yeah, yeah. We 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 owned a property on a big island, and uh, we built a cabin on it. And then we thought, well, we'll Airbnb this. And 
it, it was nice. Like it'd be Friday afternoon, it'd be a nice sunny day, and I'd get to go take the boat out, drive people out to this island, give them a bit of a tour. And then there was those days where I'm like, why am I driving people out to an island in crappy weather when it's windy, when I could have stayed at this job and made the uh, probably more money, you know, cutting that last tree with the guys or whatever it was. But so it was it was just that, you know, it took a lot of time. It was super fun. Um, we did actually we sold that property out there um, on that island. But we the reason we sold that, we found another island property with a, a decrepit looking uh building on it. it was built in 1920 it was still solid enough but we didn't even look inside when we bought that one because it was full of turkey vultures so okay you know, I'm, I'm dying laughing yeah, right now right. <laughs> what kind of properties are you buying <laughs> so i i have a good friend that flips properties too and, and his theory is i always want the he said find me a property that smells like cat pee and that's got garbage everywhere because those are the deals where you could build a lot of equity. So if you want to go in there and do the gross grunt work that other people won't even think about, that's when you can clean them up. And then you sort of instantly, once they're clean, you've made some kind of equity on them and then keep improving them. And that's that's why those properties um, are full of all that stuff because get them for a, a reasonable price. Otherwise, we wouldn't have bought properties because when they are all done and everything somebody's already done the work and then they cost too much right so. right so i would imagine putting that grunt work in that you're also getting a nice rate of return on your investment yeah that's right and then the other thing you sort of have that that feeling um you know it's like painting i love painting because you paint something especially if you're changing colors and it's totally different it might take you all day but uh wow it looks like you really did something right <laughs> so sort of the same thing with those properties i love taking, you know, friends or family there and they're like, you bought what? And then you, <laughs> you know, you show them a couple of pictures or whatever. And then uh, months later they come back and they're like, oh, wow. Like yeah, it's, it's just such a, such a neat thing. I think your mother-in-law is a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I always find some people can't see mm -hmm. the final product in the hunk of junk or whatever it is, but I seem to have that ability to be like oh that could be nice if this was here and that was there and change this and clean it up yeah i love the story you shared when the person the gentleman who installed the kitchen to the most recent property re renovating said oh my gosh i can't believe what you guys did oh yeah yeah he was quite impressed because he came and measured this kitchen and he's probably like well, and and this is probably the first brand new kitchen we've actually bought we always found them on kijiji and different things but i just couldn't find one um i don't know what happened to the used kitchen market so I ended up, went up to a, a local guy that I've known for years that sells kitchens. And I said, Don, we need a kitchen for this. And that other guy we know works for him. So he came up and he's probably like, why are they putting a new kitchen in this crap hole? And, uh, and then he, no, he was impressed though. It went in last week. So, yeah. Yeah. So in other words, it pays to look past all the bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you can look past it, it, it certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of, not a lot of people can. So you're a broker, a team leader, a house flipper, a kitchen renovator, you basically do it all. So what are your future goals with real estate? Yeah, so I think I think just to be able to get more people on the team to be able to help coach them and, and get them to their goals to really show them this can be a good avenue to be able to get places and get started. And then as far as clients that, you know, they have other jobs and different things, but just always to help educate, learn, um, so they can build equity within their own lives, make changes that are a benefit to them, and always thinking about them and their goals to be able to get them places um, 
that are more positive in the future. Yeah, I love that because there's nothing more satisfying than starting to coach someone through your experiences and watching them grow as an individual thinking, yes, you know, like watching someone grow, get their goals. I know it's easy to say, oh, I want to help people do their goals. But when you know you're passionate about it because you've done it and then you can teach it, that is something really cool. Yeah. And to touch on that a little bit, when I started real estate um, and, and throughout before that, like there was a couple of people you'd talk to for advice or something. But what I've really learned to invest money in was actually coaching. I remember the first coaching thing and it was like, twelve thousand dollars a year and i'm like holy jump there's no way we can ever afford this and it was you know first year into real estate and uh so back and forth and i talked to my wife about it finally decided okay we'll try it worst case scenario you know could quit the contract or get out of it i don't even think we could but anyway so it was twelve thousand dollars and uh so i started working with uh jen the coach and it was three months in and we changed the goal and then another three months changed the goal again. And it like, you know, from the previous year, it probably made three times the amount and easily like paid back the 12 grand, like tenfold. It was just, it was wow. amazing. Right. So it was just, so now always coaching with different people just to try and learn new ideas and different things. Right. And it's not always about the advice they have. I find with coaching, it's a lot more about the questions that they ask you because you usually know the answer, but they just sort of, help throw things down in a, you know, a trail for you to, to follow throughout the different steps and, and uh, decisions that you make. Yeah, I think it's important. I know Lex and I were talking about that earlier again is, you know, that coaching and, and being able to be coachable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy to say, hey, do this. Although if you're not willing to explore and do it, then it's really super difficult. So who are you coaching with now? If, if we're teaching other realtors and agents, especially the new ones coming on when they have that same feeling oh my god twelve thousand dollars to coach and i haven't even made a deal yet (laughs) you know like maybe their brokerage offers something or what would your life look out look like without it you know what would we say to those realtors yeah i think i think for me like any decision that that i make and be the same with coaching is always thinking back well what's the worst thing that could happen well you're out 12 grand but i mean you'd probably drop out of the coaching or real estate if you weren't going to make that anyway, right? Because, you know, you can do quite well with real estate, so they help you there. Um, But I think always bringing back life decisions to what's the worst thing that could happen. Um, Because oftentimes it is, well, I just go back and apply for my job that where they love me if real estate doesn't work or whatever you're thinking, right? Yeah. And I think if you have a good coach, you're doing your budget model, your economic model, your P&L, like they're your partner as well. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to uh, also be coaching with a variety of people. So um, I think, yeah, for, for right now, coaching with uh, Jason. So he is down in the United States. And the reason we went to coach with him is he has done this. He's merged a couple big teams. So always thinking about coaching with someone who's done where you want to be or who has accomplished what you want to do as a goal. So that's, you know, I love real estate in the way that you're networking with different people and you're like, oh, I have X client that has like, I don't know, 100 properties. It's like, well, how did they get there? So I love conversating with them. And and those people are so open to be able to, you know, tell you, help you, you know, give little tidbits of advice and different things that you maybe never thought of. And uh, 
yeah, it's just uh, always thinking who can I talk to that's been to yeah. where I want to go in the future. Yeah, I agree. I always get excited. I always ask oh, that one person, they have so many properties. Can we, you know, what they say, how did they do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really learned in the long end of investing is leveraging, leveraging those properties if you can. Being open to a vendor take back. I think a lot of people get scared of that, even in deals sometimes. So I think it's important that there's always a way. You just really got to figure it out. All right. So um, as we wrap up, where can we find you? You can find me in the Wyarton office most days. Um, up in Tobemore, Port Algon, we have an office in Owen Sound. Um, you can call my phone number, 519-378-7171 or Find us on the website. And and are you on social media? I think so. So I'll be I'll be very, very <laughs> honest. I've never done a Facebook post. I don't know how to log into Instagram. <laughs> um, I've never posted a YouTube video myself. But uh, that's leverage it. That's yeah. that's right, Alexa, because I'm I'm able to leverage it. But it's it's kind of neat because um, somebody told me that I don't know. A lot of people have seen my videos or something. I have no idea. But. Uh, um yeah just trying to always get out there right so that's right awesome so you can find adam on social media in the offices at the website this is great thanks for joining us adam and giving us your insight thanks for having me in so thank you everyone for joining on the vault see you next week